Welcome to Pushroom Life After Injury Podcast for March 31st, 2014, episode 39, A Unique Life Lived, The Lauren Kane Story. I'm Ray Pizarro. I'm Richard Bow. We want to thank our audience for being with us. Uh, these podcasts were created to talk about spinal cord injury related topics, disability resources, and also spotlight individuals that found ways to get past their challenges and are now a great source of inspiration. Uh, on this episode, our friend Karen Kane, author and speaker, will be sharing her unique story about love and courage. Welcome, Karen. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here today. Yeah, thanks for being here. Yeah, it was nice seeing you at the expo. I know briefly you were really busy that day. So That was an awesome show. It was really, really busy. And um, this is my third year at the Ability Expos. I'm a parent ambassador now for the second year, so I go to all the expos around the U.S. and I get to meet families, and I absolutely love it. Cool. Yeah. So tell us about yourself, Karen. Well, um, in 1994, I gave birth to a little girl, um, probably the happiest day of my life. Her name was Lauren, and I took her in at six weeks of age to have her one and only DBT vaccine. She ended up having a seizure two hours after the vaccination, and that seizure lasted five minutes, which is an incredibly long time for an infant to be shaking and screaming. Very scary. Um, then I took her back to the doctor who gave the vaccine and she had another five minute tonic clonic seizure. And, um, by that time I just thought she was the demon seed. I mean, I was so afraid of her and they said, go to the hospital. And I look back and I think they should have called 911. I mean, I was so panicked. Um, we went to the, um, emergency room for three days and they couldn't find anything wrong with her. They did all these tests. We went home and two weeks later she had another long seizure, And my life changed forever. My biggest fear, um, being a parent of a child with a disability or many disabilities, Lauren had seizures um, going forward for the rest of her life. And they typically lasted five minutes or longer. When she was four months old, she had nine five-minute seizures. Went back in the hospital, and and I just kept calling the doctor every time she had a seizure. I just was not going to let this go. And... um, we ended up getting horrible diagnoses. The doctors just wanted me to let go of her and go home, prepare for the worst, get on with it. You got a bad egg. I mean, everyone just wanted me to turn my head, you know, um, and just let her go or place her somewhere. Um, but I, you know, like all parents, I loved my kid. Um, she still was an enor- enormously beautiful young thing. And, um, and she just had this huge seizure disorder. When your brain doesn't work, your body doesn't work. So right. she was a quadriplegic her whole life. Um, she never walked. Um, she was cortically blind, meaning that she didn't. Um, her brain was not interpreting what she mm-hmm. was seeing. She was nonverbal. She communicated with her expressions um, and shrugs with her shoulder. And I got her um, bribing her with chocolate um, <laughs> to do thumbs up and to blink for yes. And um, she had a feeding tube, and when she was five, she ended up having a trach, so she breathed out of a hole in her neck. Um, Mm. And she lived for 15 long years. The truth is that her body was just a train wreck. Everything that could possibly go wrong with her went wrong with her. And I often felt as a parent, it was like plugging holes in a dam. We'd Mm. fix one thing, and then, you know, we'd get that mastered, and then something else would go wrong. So it just constantly felt um, like I was living on the edge with her. 
the great thing about it is that um, modern medicine basically gave up on her, and they just really didn't know what to do with her except prescribe medications. And so we didn't have any rules, and we kind of just made up our own rules along the way. When right. Lauren was well, we were well. We were just talking. We used to drive to Oregon. I mean, she's been to Mexico. We've been swam with the dolphins four times um, in Key Largo with Island Dolphin Care. We tent camped. Um, we just went to New York. We just traveled all over and had as much fun as possible. Right. And she loved staying at hotels. She loved traveling. Well, she has us beat because uh, she, she's traveled more than I have ever traveled in my life. So, I mean, I'm sure she had a, a fun time doing that. Um, she loved it. She loved people. She loved life. Um, it was, you know, I think I was going through any parent's worst nightmare. I mean, I didn't want to be a parent of a child who was unique. And she had no issues with who she was. She um, just liked to be referred to someone who was living a unique life experience. Um, she was always very spiritual, very connected to God. And I was the one that kind of lost my mind mm-hmm. and um, really needed to dig deep in myself and figure out how I was going to do our life. Because yeah. she wasn't feeling sorry for herself, and mm-hmm. she wasn't bothered. And yet I was feeling sorry for myself and feeling bad for her. So it took me about three years um, to really just get on board and let go of what I thought my life was going to be and just accept her and love her for the, what, you know who she was and her body being the way it was. That was a really powerful moment um, mm-hmm. when I could just let go and just say, okay, you're going to be in this body, and it's not my choice, but you're making a choice every day to stay here because she almost died numerous times. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time she was three, from three to five for two years, we lived in ICU, mm-hmm. and everyone kept telling me, well, if you wouldn't take care of her so well, she would die. And, you know, what do you say to that? And, of course, I was going to take care of her the best I could. So it was always this ironic kind of place I was with her. And when I just realized I wasn't that big and I didn't have all the information and just let her do what she was going to do and love her. And when she was ready, I always told her the same thing. I'll take care of you while you're here. And when you're ready to go, I'll make sure that you're comfortable. Because I wanted um, her to die with grace and dignity, just Mm -hmm. exactly the way we lived our life. Um, and she was a brownie. She was a Girl Scout. She was in the school musical. She ended up having best friends. Mm-hmm. And um, she just, we didn't know boundaries. And so we just had as much fun as possible. And it sounds like you um, you were living in the moment. You know, I mean, that's what you have to do these days. We, we Our lifestyles are so uh, accelerated and we lose focus of what's important, um, especially w- when you're dealing with someone yeah. like and maximizing your good days and, you know, doing what you can then because, you know, you have the bad days. And then um, what's impressive is um, um, being a parent or a caregiver, um, that aspect of it and how impactful it is. Um, people don't usually think about that. They think about the person with the disability, but not the person who has to who is responsible for taking care of that person. So... It's a lot of work being a caregiver. And I was, you know, a kicking and screaming kind of girl. I didn't go in like, oh, I'm so happy and I am not a sainted parent, Mm -hmm. was not a sainted parent. Um, I think that's really important. When I wrote the story, I wanted to share with others just kind of what we did and how hard it was and um, how we enjoyed it. But, I mean, I did a lot of things wrong. And I think it's really important, you know, none of us know our future. I think people who have had... a drastic change in their life, you know, in their physical being, um, kind of learn those lessons. But none of us know where we're going to be tomorrow. And it, it's been a great gift 
that she taught me to just be in the moment and be right now. And mm-hmm. I still try to focus that. Um, Lauren died in 2009, three days before Christmas. Um, but in January in 2009, she told me she was ready to go. And that was the first time she ever said, um, I'm ready. Lauren was really gifted. She was intuitive. Mm-hmm. When she was four months old, she went to people in their dreams. So she had a history of, um, throughout her life, talking to people in dream state. And it, she just did that. So I kind of got used to it. Um, I knew she was communicating and she was reading energy. She didn't communicate with her words, but she understood things that um, I think were greater than you look at someone if they're not walking and talking, especially when you don't have the verbal. I think it's really hard. Um, people kind of dismiss people or they don't know how to respond. So they just think, oh, they're not in there. But Lauren was totally in there. And she um, she would talk to people in their dreams and just tell her nurse, Debbie, that went to school with her for four years, she would go in her dream and say, I know this and I know this, and show her that she understood math and science and talk about the universe. And she would give her advice. One time she told Debbie, um, when you when you're angry, people don't listen to you which I thought was great. And Debbie, you know, had to just rethink what she was doing. And she would say, do you think my mom's crazy? And, you know, all kinds of stuff. Um, But I think the power of each soul is really a big part of what I want to share with parents. Mm -hmm. Um, Now that Lauren's been gone four years, I feel like it's my time to give back to all the people that gave back to me when she was diagnosed. Um, It was in 94. There was no Internet. Um, No one wanted to talk to a parent of a child who was vaccine injured. Um, I learned really quickly that most people don't want to talk to you if you're not going to get better. Mm-hmm. I think there's that hope or something that, right. you know, if you're going to be in a wheelchair with a trach and a G tube, you know, that's not a story that we want to share. Right. Um, and I think that the miracle and the healing for Lauren was me accepting her and our life the way it was. And I think that was my gift. Um, and so when I'm with Abilities Expo, I travel all around and I talk to parents and just give them permission to, to love their kid, no matter their ability. And every soul mm-hmm. is important. And um, even Lauren's last breath, she was confident. She felt safe. She had a love of God. She never, um, she never was afraid, which I find really um, powerful. And it's beautiful to witness. Um, and I think about that every day when I go through my faith and today... You know, I could be sitting here complaining about mm-hmm. what happened to my life, but right. I really feel empowered by her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel really excited to talk about our journey and how, how we went through it. Because it wasn't great every day. And like you said, there's some days that are really bad. Yeah, I tell people it's a roller coaster ride of emotions and, and feelings that everyone goes through, especially the family. Exactly. And I think. I, I always just think parents are the hardest one. I think when I see these little kids, they're typically happy. I mean, they've kind of accepted what's going on. Mm-hmm. And even young adults, where the parents are the ones that are grieving and they can't let go and they can't just be with what is. You know, and I that's pretty much every day I have to, you know, think, okay, my daughter's not here. But if I dwell on that, she's not here. Um, it, you know, it's just so depressing. But if I dwell on what she you know, focus on what she taught me, and I know she surrounds me, and I mean, I hear her in my head, and it's always, Lauren's always like, have fun, Mom. Mm-hmm. She always was about having fun. Don't get so big caught up into yourself, and um, and let go of, you know, the ego and love yourself. But um, So I feel really 
committed to talking to families and talking to parents, especially the mom, because mm-hmm. I think the mom is the one who really um, has the more emotional connection, right? And and they beat themselves up more. You know, they work and work and work, and then mm-hmm. we get really exhausted, and then we're unhappy, and then we can't trust our gut when we need to make life and death decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, big decisions need to be made with chronic illness. And when you're tired and you're sad, and typically marriages, you know, separate, of course. Um, that's like a big statistic. And um, But if you don't know who yourself is and you don't keep your spirit, it's, it's super hard to enjoy life anyways and to make those life and death decisions that, you know, no one ever wants to make. But we have to when we're parenting kids who are unique. Yeah, and, and as far as, like, the community goes, I mean, do you remember that first time you... You um, took Lauren uh, to the Abilities Expo for the first time. How was that experience for you? Oh, I totally went kicking and screaming. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want to go. I thought, oh, great. Now I get to go to a disabled conference. Right, right. That stigma, right? Everybody. I was talking to Ernie um, with Colors. He said the same thing. And, of course, you know, now he's still with the Abilities Expo. But I went in. Mm -hmm. um, I think the first year I met Tommy Hollenstein. I met a bunch of people. that was about 17 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I found things that I didn't know that I needed. I found things that I needed. And then I found, you know, I was inspired. I was really inspired by, you know, I saw the Canine Companion for Independence. I saw information right. about swimming with the dolphins and vans that I needed, bikes. Lauren had um, two Freedom Concept bikes during her lifetime. And just things that I didn't know were out there and people that were having fun and, um, and also other parents that are dealing with similar issues, right? Just seeing, oh, I'm not alone, you know, that sense of isolation. It's huge. And I felt really isolated, especially in 94, without the Internet. And nobody wants to talk about, you know, what's going on or, um, you know, when their kid is disabled. A lot of times the kids get hidden at home. And I was with Lauren. She was always out. She was always with me. Um, and so when... Later on, I worked with a disabled dealer magazine, and Lauren mm-hmm. had that accessible pinball machine. She had the pirate machine, so you could play pinball with just I a switch. That machine, yeah. It's an awesome machine. It's in Oregon right now with us. Um, but I saw her play that, and I thought, you have to have that. And so she had slumber parties, and the kids played. And I loved watching kids come up or adults come up that think, oh, I can't play. I can't do this. And I say, well, if you can move anything, you can move your eye, you can move your chin, you can play pinball. So in 2010, Lauren had died just in December, so it was March at L.A. Ability Expo, and I went by myself, and I worked the pinball machine booth, and I left there so heavy-hearted, and I just thought, I don't fit in anymore. What am I going to do? And, you know, who am I if I'm not Lauren's mother? But watching, you know, Auntie Angel and the, the wheelchair dancers, and it was... That kind of made me feel the same that Lauren did when she was alive. Like that energy, that spirit, and you know, that... That aura. That Yeah, just yeah. being around people that inspire. Um, and I just, I kind of wanted to figure out how I was going to get back into the expo. And then the next year I started speaking and I did everything on my own. I started, you know, paying all my travel and traveled all over, went to Autism One and um, and now this is the third year, and I have the book out, and I tell parents just to put that focus out there and move towards it and mm-hmm. be careful on what you focus on because you will bring it to you. And what uh, what made you uh, write a book? Or where, where did the idea come of just writing about your story? At what point? In the beginning, things were really bad, and um, um, I was really broken. Um, I was very devastated. Lauren was really, really sick. Mm-hmm. My family fell apart. 
And I just couldn't believe that so many terrible things were happening to me. And people just said, you know, you should write a book because no one could believe the story. And it's really important, I think, as individuals, when we have negative experiences, that we don't focus on them. So in the beginning, all I did was tell about my daughter's vaccine injured and, you know, this, whoa, whoa me, whoa me. And I kept bringing all this negative energy towards me because that's what I was focusing on. Right. So I really learned to shift my focus and to just um, just think about the beauty of her and what she could do and not all the bad things that right. were happening. And so, so I, writing, it was very cathartic for you. Yeah, it was kind of the only thing I could do. And because I stayed home with her so much, I mean, I stayed home with her for years and right. lived in the hospital and, you know, she would turn blue and pass out. I mean, I didn't do my mm-hmm. banking. I didn't do anything at that point. I hired people to help me and I just kind of, that was my coping. And then it kind of has been now my soul's journey. You know, and I feel like um, I'm getting a great response. People are buying multiple copies, which is huge. And I really wanted um, to be true to form, to life. I didn't sugarcoat any of it. I'm a real honest writer. Lauren, um, jokingly, one time in Dream State, she said, well, Mom, at least I gave you something to write about. You know, because she's just so unattached to the whole thing. Beautiful. She's so cool. and so it's just a really true story, but I, I always felt when I was going through negative things that if I'm going through this, I must need to learn so I can support other people later. So right. I think that I can sit with almost anyone's pain because I've been through so much loss and so much heartache. And, you know, you know, it's just like spending the weekend with Ellen and Bobby Rohan. You know, it's like there was laughter and we're having a great time and, you know, just celebrating life and being in the moment. And not focusing on the negative and just being happy. And it's kind of a choice. I don't think I could survive a week partying with them. <laughs> We've been here six weeks, but um, small doses. But it's like, I just, like me and my husband both just, we just looked at each other. We're just like, we're so happy to be around the laughter and to, you know, you just navigate through the obstacles and you have to come back to that choice of, you know, how we're going to celebrate life and, um, and it's such a huge gift. I mean, being around them always makes me rethink what I'm doing and what I'm focusing on because they're just I, they're always coming back to good. And um, I introduced Bobby to Ellen, so that was cool. Oh, oh, yeah. you were the one oh. of the. Oh, you were my. one of the main reasons, then, right? Yeah, she was the catalyst. That's I was, right. I was, and um, yeah, Ellen and I met at a seizure conference years ago, and I think that. Um, I think that I just want to add today, because last Thursday, um, the CDC um, just reported their autism rates now. Autism is um, affecting 1 in 68 children. And um, on my Facebook, that's huge. I mean, that's that's a huge thing. That's a very scary thing. I think we all need to be nervous. Um, 1 in 68 children have autism, but they're not counting the 8-year-olds and under. So really the stats are a lot higher, and that means that one in 42 boys has autism, wow. is affected by autism. And that that's really scary. I think um, if it was any other illness, if it was cancer, if it was anything else, people would be freaking out. More aware, yeah. And yeah, be really concerned. Um, the Center of Disease Control also states that 54% of our children have chronic illness, and that means seizures, asthma, diabetes, allergies, 2.4. That's more than half. That's more than half of our kids are sick, and it's becoming our new norm. And um, there's a lot of people like myself that are really concerned. A lot of autism parents. I was in Sacramento a week ago talking in a room to about 50, 60 people, Mm -hmm. and everyone introduced themselves, and 
way more. I was about three or four families had multiple kids with autism or vaccine injury. And that's really scary. And the woman who hosted, Sylvia Pimentel, who's a great friend and a great advocate, um, her both of her sons have autism. And our kids are sick, and we're looking away, and we're not supporting families. And it's really important. We will all be affected. Right now in California, if you have a 12- to 18-year-old child, they can go into the nurse's office at school and get a vaccine without your permission. And that's scary. People don't know that. And, you know, they can't get a library card, but we're allowing them to make a choice at 12 years of age to go get a Gardasil vaccine or whatever vaccine they choose. Um, And our parental rights are being taken away because they want to take um, away the right of even making a choice to take a vaccine. And they don't tell us what are in the vaccines, and that's one of the things that... I think should be changed. A lot of people, um, you know, because there's formaldehyde in the vaccine, aluminum and mercury and aborted fetal tissue. And, you know, we're kind of looking around, why are our kids sick? And we're putting nine vaccines into children at once. And America has one of the highest um, SIDS rates, sudden infant death syndrome rates, and and infant mortality rates. Mm -hmm. And so 34 other countries rate higher than we do. And infant mortality and that's really scary so it sounds like the you guys need to come together as a community uh to to speak out and and make people aware of the serious issues that are happening with with autism absolutely and this this affects us all because in 20 years from now all these kids are going to be grown grown and and what you know being sick is becoming big business and um, I always tell people you can go to my website and that's lawrenceworld.com, L-O-R-R-I-N-S, world.com, and you can get all kinds of information. But I think it's really important for everyone to look at the Canary Party and the Thinking Moms Revolution and the Age of Autism and, you know, get information about what's going on, what's happening at school for your children. And when I was in Sacramento, I had six or seven people that didn't have um, an injury, a child with an injury, but they're just concerned about their rights because they're concerned about the GMOs we were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. It's like we're putting all this really toxic stuff into our kids. Yeah, that's processed and and grown artificially. Yeah, Yeah, and we wonder why our our obesity rates are so high among children and type 1 diabetes It's children. Yeah, that's... And cancer rates, too. They're going through the roofs. Yeah, so... I really want to support a vision of allowing our children to grow up the old-fashioned way, healthy, like we right. all did. I mean, yeah. you know, I think I had maybe three, four vaccines, and now we're putting 50 in by the time they're five. Yeah, not to and, age myself, but, yeah, when I was growing up, uh, we were all outside playing football and basketball. That yeah. was the last thing on our minds. Yeah. yeah, I never, you know, every now and then we heard about somebody having cancer, and it was like, whoa, what's that? You know, it was kind of foreign. But now... No, everybody. It's very scary. We almost expect it. Oh, it's like that person. And, and I think a lot of parents of children who are, you know, neurotypical kind of turn their heads that, oh, I'm not going to be affected. But, you know, when I'm in a room of, you know, 50, 60 people and there's families full of multiple kids with autism and stuff, it it's, it's you know, hopefully our voice will unite and we can share this information and make a difference. And, you know, I don't want to see next year get higher and higher. It's like people should be concerned. They should be aware. They should be educating themselves. And, you know, that's a big part of my voice. Um, most of the time I just speak about love because that's really what Lauren came here to teach me mm-hmm. was about loving myself 
and loving life and being in the moment. Um, but I think it's also, you know, on Thursday when that came out, it, it's just very heavy on my heart and very concerning. And I'm not surprised because I see this all the time. I travel all around and I see kids that come up to my booth when they're talking to me and they're just, you know, everybody has a new illness now. We have all these new diagnoses of things that nobody else had before. And, you know, I don't think it's a question about how it's happening. It's what we're putting into our bodies. But, um, and well, then, bless your heart too for, for being proactive and not sitting down and accepting no as an answer and doing your part as a mom and trying to get answers and, and rally the community behind you to, to make absolutely. a difference. Well, you know, I think it's, for me, it's just my soul's journey. I mean, I never, I still don't know what I'm going to be when I grow up. And Lauren kind of taught me so much in 15 years, and she's affected my life. And I certainly believe I'm a better person for it. Um, and I'm obviously a talker. I'm a little bit of a we control appreciate freak. appreciate Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Good caregivers, I think, are typically control freaks. Mm-hmm. It's part of, I think, what makes us great caregivers. And so I was with Lauren. But um, and I just felt like I... It just is what I'm supposed to do. I don't think there's a reason for me to be here if I'm not sharing our story and trying to support families. And, and, you know, for me as a parent, I always felt with Lauren that we were so put down by the community Mm -hmm. and people would get up um, at restaurants and move away when we'd sit down at the movie theater and, you know, people were confused. They were either... um, I don't know, grossed out is the word, or afraid of her, Mm -hmm. definitely fear. And they either just rejected us or they were kind of in awe, you know, I want to get to know her because she would walk in a room and people would think a different thought. Right. You know, they could, you know, turn away or be afraid or treat their kid better. But that's huge for her to pick and come into this body to teach other people. She just um, was definitely one of the most courageous, loving people I've ever known. Um, Her nurse came to an event I spoke on Saturday and her nurse worked with her for four years, and she didn't want to come move back to California, and she didn't want to work with children with special needs. It was everything, you know, all the resistance she could have to take this job, and she ended up, everyone told her, don't take the job, because Lauren's right. really difficult. And she ended up working with Lauren, and she worked with her for four years, and Debbie Hessler is her name, and I think because she worked with Lauren, I, it was the pathway to Lauren having friendships. Okay. But she said, um, it's the best work I've ever done, and it was God's work, and Lauren just taught her so much. And I think that's so powerful when we can show up for life and just allow people to teach us you That's know, wonderful, life lessons. yeah. You really get a different perspective in your own personal life, and you don't have to have a disability. I mean, just uh, listening and learning and reading about other people's challenges in life, it, it, it makes a huge difference and a big impact in, in, in all of us. In general. Yeah, so as we wrap up, um, Karen, uh, do you have any, um, I mean, where can people look you up and find you? I'm sure you're on Facebook. Any websites? or? I'm on Facebook, of course, and I'm very accessible. I have um, my one website is laurensworld.com, and that's L-O-R-R-I-N-S, world.com, and then I have karenkane.com. I travel around with Abilities Expos, and I'll be speaking Next in, I think New Jersey's our next event, and then I'll be at the Autism One Conference again this year, my fourth year. And you know, check it out. I, um, you can. The book comes out tomorrow at Barnes and Nobles, and Sweet. Amazon. Oh, and Amazon. Amazon. I know that's very cool. It's, it's easy for a squat. 
<laughs> right on. Yeah, I'm huge Amazon. And you can you can actually buy it on Lauren's World too. So go to Lauren's World and I'm just really excited to I'm happy share. for you. Yeah, Thank you. That's great. And the name of the book again? A Unique Life Fully Lived, the Lauren Kane the Lauren and Karen Kane story. Beautiful. Yeah, right. that's great. Thanks a lot. I mean, wow. Thank you. This is this is really uh, nice to have people on to share their stories with others, and I'm sure it's going to connect with a lot of people in our community. Thanks for the platform. This yeah. is awesome. Yeah. All right. All right. And you can find us at Club Pushroom, of course. Um, please subscribe. And um, also www.pushroom.com and um, iTunes. And Yeah, yeah. You could uh, bring us on the go on iTunes. And uh, if, if we want to thank... Uh, Karen, once again, for being with us and, uh, and sharing her story. And uh, if you want to get in contact with us directly, you can reach us at info at pushroom.com. That's right. And uh, thanks for allowing us to, to sit in and have a, this great discussion. And uh, hopefully you go by and pick up her book. It's a great read. And, uh, and uh, we leave you now. So we'll catch up with you on the next episode. All right. Have a good one. Take care. Yeah, thanks. Bye. <laughs>